we are in the book of Acts, okay? So if you are familiar with the book of Acts, the book of Acts is a, a, a grand story of many missionary journeys, right? People who have come to know the power and the goodness of Jesus and and, uh, and, and they're, bringing, they're bringing this goodness, there's this good news, they're bringing it out from cities to cities to cities, from places to places, from kampong to kampong to kampong. And the book of Acts is about this, right? So today we're going to continue, and today's uh, uh, word will be a bit like a travel journal. But before we get into that, let us pray. Okay, let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your kindness, for the generosity of giving to us your very best in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that in Christ today we have received the greatest glory and we, are, and we have a hope and a goodness to carry out into this world. So Lord Jesus, may you be with us, may you saturate uh, uh, this time, may you turn our attention to you, Lord God, and may, may you increase May I decrease in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, one little disclaimer. I lost my voice. I lost my voice. Because last night, yesterday evening, I was preaching at Main Church. And halfway through my sermon, um, the sound system went down. And if you're familiar with SIBKL's Main Church, it's, it sits 1,300. And there's a, there's, a, there's a balcony. And there were people going all the way up to the balcony and I had to throw my voice all the way to the back of the hall. And so um, when I left uh, uh, main church yesterday evening, my voice was gone. <laughs> so I'm just about getting better. My voice is a little hoarse. Um, uh, forgive me. <laughs> forgive them. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, so anyway, I just also want to pray for the Tyson offerings. Do we pray for the Tyson offerings? No, Father, may you just use every ringgit and every cent to the extension of your glory. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you just give all of us in leadership the highest standard of stewardship and the highest standard of responsibility so that every bit of giving will turn into the, into the rescuing of, life, of lives from darkness to light, from addictions to freedom, from brokenness to healing, uh, from death to, to everlasting power and resurrection. So Lord Jesus, we surrender this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright. Now we are in the book of Acts. Okay. Um, Acts chapter 16 where we left off the apostles Paul and Barnabas had just squared it off and they have gone in separate ways. You all remember that? Man, it was like so long ago, right? Does it feel so long ago? It was four weeks ago, right? Three weeks have passed since then, okay? And Paul has taken Silas and they started on the second missionary journey. Today, I want to share with you a word that I've entitled, No Way to New Way. Right? And it doesn't mean, I know it can be read in two ways, right? It doesn't mean I say no to the new way. This doesn't mean no way to the new way. What it does mean is that God takes you from closed doors to new open doors. He takes you from rejections into acceptance. He takes you from no way and more no ways into new ways. He opens up the road so that even when you walk and you reach closed doors or if you walk and you reach dead ends 
and you think, how can I go forward from a dead end? And you say, the only way from a dead end is to turn around, Pusang, Gostan, and go back the other way. God cuts a road out of dead ends. He opens up new roads so that when you reach a dead end and all you can see in front of you is no way, God opens up to new ways in front of you. That's what God is saying to us today. And at the end of today's service, I do want to open up the altar because I do sense that some of you are in a place of decision or some of you are in a place of having just had doors closed on you. And you are thinking about futures that are not going to manifest anymore. And we want to pray with you into closed doors. We want to pray with you into situations where you are hearing a no way anymore. And the Lord is going to open. I really believe in this, that the Lord is going to open up new roads for you, new journeys for you, and those walks will be far better. It will be in His perfect will. They will be in His uh, in accordance to His desires for your life. But you got to hang in there. you got to walk with Him. you got to stay on Him. And it won't always be easy. I'm going to show you that it won't always be easy, but it will always be better. Amen? So, Paul and Silas, I'm just going to summarize some of the text here in Acts chapter 16 um, and we're going to go, okay? At this point, at the start of Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, if you don't have a church background, Paul and Silas are apostles. They are people who have come to know of Jesus and they are bringing this knowledge of Jesus out from city to city, kampong to kampong, to share that love and to establish new communities of believing people, right? So Paul and Silas, they go to new cities called Derby and Lystra and they meet a young man called Timothy at Lystra, okay? Timothy has a Greek father, um, Jewish mother, and so because he's got a Greek father and Jewish mother, Paul gets Timothy circumcised. It's the Jewish custom uh, to be circumcised. Now, we talked about that, the whole issue of circumcision right here about five weeks ago. Okay, I preached a sermon entitled, um, Take the Blade to Make the Great, right? Um, and so we must be very clear. Paul doesn't get Timothy circumcised because it is a Christian requirement. It's not, Okay. Paul doesn't get Timothy sacrificed, uh, circumcised because, it is, uh, uh, because following the Jewish customs and following the Jewish laws are a necessity. They are not. So why does Paul get uh, Timothy circumcised? Because their strategy, wherever they go, they go straight for the synagogues. They go straight into the Jewish places of worship. And if Timothy is circumcised, he gets straight entry because he's got a Jewish mother. Okay, so he just needs to be circumcised. He can get entry so that they can start preaching the gospel from within the synagogues. In other words, Paul is being expedient. Okay, Paul is just doing what is necessary to get doors to keep opening. Okay, if Timothy doesn't get circumcised, one guy gets left outside, you know, two guys go in, you know, um, and, and it's not for his salvation. He's saved, you know, but he's just being expedient. Now, now, the real part. They, meaning the three of them, 
they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now, these are all foreign, not just foreign, historical. So they're like, this is not like, you know, uh, 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 Alam and uh, whatever, right? Um, these are foreign places and some of these places don't exist anymore. They're all in modern day Turkey, okay, or Turkey, right? Okay, so um, they go through Phrygia. Thank you, good job. Uh, and Galatia, okay, but then they have been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, this Asia is not our Asia. It's not like, you know, China onwards, India downwards and all that, right? It's not. This Asia is Asia Minor. It is a part um, of, uh, of um, the Mediterranean that we call Turkey today, okay? Um, and so they have been forbidden to speak the word in what is now modern-day Turkey, or at least the western part of Turkey. When they came to Mysia, right? And this is not short for Malaysia, so okay, just, just to be clear, okay? okay? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> when they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, okay? I'll show you on a map, that's north. They tried to go north. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Very weird, huh? I find this really weird. First, they want to go into Asia Minor. Then they want to go to Bithynia. Lagi okay? But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Passing by Mysia, they went down to another city called Troas, okay? During the night, Paul had a vision. Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man, Macedonia would be in modern-day Greece. There is a country today called North Macedonia. It is north of Greece. The Macedonian uh, uh, um, Empire was bigger at that time and it encompassed larger parts and including parts of Greece today. A man from Macedonia shows up in Paul's dreams at night and he says and pleads, stands before Paul in his dream, in a vision, in his sleep and pleads with Paul saying, cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, they go across to Macedonia. Now, I'm just going to summarize all the things that happen when they go across. They go across the, the land to a Macedonian city called Philippi. They go to Philippi, they meet a merchant. She is a woman who trades in purple goods. Purple goods is not just purple goods. Purple goods means that she's trading in things for royal use. Okay, so purple cloth is for royal use. So this woman, Lydia, is a merchant with, with aristocratic clients. Let's just put it that way. She's probably not a poor merchant or a trying merchant, she's probably done quite well for herself. And because she's a merchant, she's traveling. Wherever she goes, what she believes, what she knows, what she thinks, what she says, goes with her. So Lydia is an important person. And this is another shout out, okay, so that we know that throughout the history of the church, Many women have been very, very uh, uh, important in the extension of God's kingdom. I don't want you to read your Bible, hear things that people say and imagine that the church is a male-dominated, kind of like male-extended uh, uh, um, kind of thing. It's not. 
men and many, many women have played their role in extending the good news of Jesus Christ to far-flung places. And Lydia is an important person in this. They meet Lydia. She fears God. It says she's a God-fearing woman. It means it's kind of like shorthand for Lydia is someone who knows about the God of the Jews. And she has respect and she kind of has a worship uh, a relationship with the God of the Jews, even though she's a foreigner, she's not a Jew, okay? And then God opens up her heart. They meet Paul and Silas and Timothy. They share the gospel with her. God opens Lydia's heart to understand and know the gospel of Jesus Christ. She and her whole family come into, come into Christ and they all get baptized. And guess what? Wherever Lydia goes now, the gospel is going to go with her. Amen? And she's, she's, got, she's got clients in high places too. So even though the rest of the book of Acts does not tell Lydia's story, you can only imagine the kind of doors that would open for the gospel now that Lydia has come into the faith. I'm going to move on because these guys move on. They go on in Philippi to a place of prayer and they encounter a demon-possessed slave girl. And wherever they go, this slave girl, in all likelihood with her owners, okay, with the slave owners, is stalking them and heckling them, okay? So Paul, Timothy, Silas are just trying to go about their business quietly or go to the synagogue and share the good news of Jesus. Wherever they go, this servant girl is going. And what does she say? She goes there. It's a very strange thing because it's a demon manifesting from a girl. Right? And this demon is speaking something that is actually true. She's being disruptive, or he, the it, right? It, the demon, it is being disruptive, but it is also saying something that is true. I don't know why, maybe under the compulsion of God, this demon is just uttering real things. So, this demon through this girl says, These men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are servants of the Most High God. Wow. And everywhere they go, this girl and the demon in her is just heckling, heckling them and saying, ah, this girl, these guys, they are servants of the Most High God. These guys, ah, they are servants of the Most High God. And everywhere they go, this happens. Now, this girl is actually used by her slave owners for fortune telling. So she's actually being monetized. She's useful to her slave owners because she is a fortune teller for them. And there's a demon, and demon will tell fortune, you know, maybe sometimes accurate, maybe sometimes, you know, demonically, uh, 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 um, uh, or whatever, I don't know. And I don't fully understand these things. All I know is that Paul, at some point, gets irritated with this heckling and this stalking. He turns around and he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of her. And this demon, under the authority and power of the name of Jesus, gets out of her. Guess what happens? Before I even tell you to guess what happens, I need you to know, if you don't have a church background, that there is authority to the name of Jesus. And I know it's not always we stand here in church and exchange cerita hantu, okay? But if you do have real-life experience with Hantu Hantu and dodgy weird homes 
maybe there is a room in your like father's house or in like your grandmother's house. You just feel weird. You walk in, your hair comes up, and like people have seen things there. You know, maybe uh, you grew up in a place your your school, the boys' toilet got all these stories. They got some hantu there. You know, and it's not just a story. You 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 walk in, it feels dirty. Have you ever stood in a place and then suddenly it feels like there's another presence there? Have you ever gone to a hotel and it just does not, that room just feels not right? Yeah, yeah, some of you are like, yeah, pastor, yeah, 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 before. Have you ever lied in bed and then suddenly you're like, cannot press down and then you cannot speak and it's like your eyes are open but your eyes are not and you can see your room but you're not really seeing your room and then you're like suffocated a little bit or you're pressed down and held down and you trying to call out something but that cannot, cannot come out. Experienced that before, right? Okay? Some of us have. I grew up experiencing that a lot. I want you to know that there is power and authority in the name of Jesus. And I want you to know, you need to know this because the spiritual powers around you are real. And these spiritual powers around you will not let you just rest. They will come and catch out you. And the name of Jesus Christ sends them out. The name of Jesus Christ has authority because Jesus is the apex predator in all spiritual and physical realms. And so when you encounter, I mean, think, think like, think like gangland, lah, okay? Okay, it's not, Jesus is not gangster, okay? But think like gangland, lah, okay? You got a paikia, kachau you, another paikia from that, from, from that gang, kachau you, and you go to the highest, highest fella who is who can you know control this and control that and control that and you tell the big boss hey your guys kachowing me uh, your middle guys uh, your low ranking guys kachowing me uh, overnight settled for you and those guys will be like, running away with their tails behind their between their legs why because when you go to the one on top they settle everything for you. Now, when Jesus settles things for you, He doesn't go to His kunchu kunchu and say, you guys, I don't catch out my guys. It's not like that. Because Jesus is righteous and good and holy and powerful and He is God. And all these things represent darkness. And so it's not like Jesus is higher up the chain and He can score His downline. They are not His downline. They are His enemies. But He sits above everything. So when Jesus Christ comes and in the authority of the name of Jesus, it's like you go out there to somebody who is an enemy of the Yang Di Petuan Agong, but you say, atas titah Yang Di Petuan Agong, tanah ini adalah tanah Yang Di Petuan Agong. Wow. You can fight me? You dare to fight me? You dare not fight, you run, you go, you release, right? Because there is authority in the name of the King. There is authority in the name of King Jesus. And so I don't want to overstate this, but you need to know this. Demon leaves. What happens? Slave owners lose the ability to monetize this girl. That she's no, she can't tell fortune anymore. She's just an ordinary girl after this. And they can probably redeploy her in some kind of menial work because she's still their purchased slave. But they can't monetize her the way they did before. And so they grab Paul and they grab Silas. Now, I don't know why Timothy is not mentioned in this, okay? Uh, they grab them, beat them, catch out them, and then send them to the magistrate 
where the magistrate orders for more beating with no trial, eh? no trial, eh? okay? And then throws them into jail. Now, today I want to share with you. God says no. Sometimes God says no and no and no. And what follows after that is obedient, ambiguous, wandering around. And eventually God does say yes. Okay? God says no. And what follows after that is that you wander around being unsure, being uncertain. So when I use the word ambiguous, I mean that it's not very clear. It's not very obvious what's the next thing to do. And you may still have to keep moving forward without being very sure about what's the next thing before God eventually says yes. This is not about a formula. This doesn't always happen in exactly this sequence. But I want to show you that in much of life, this does correspond with reality. I'm going to start with this. God says no. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. They have been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, in Asia Minor, right? So you got to see this. They're trying to share the gospel of God. They're trying to share good news. God says no. And he doesn't just say no once. They came to Mysia. They tried to go into Bithynia. The Spirit of Jesus again says no. I want to show it to you in a map form. Okay, so this goes back. I stand here. Okay, they start from Antioch. They go through Tarsus. This is Paul's Kampong. Okay, Tarsus. They go to Derby. They go to Lystra. They're trying to go into Asia Minor. This whole section is Asia Minor. They're trying to enter there. You can see it on the, on the screens. God says, don't go in. Okay, so don't go in there. Where do you go? Right? Now, here are the options. They can go down, but then they'll run off places to go. They can go up. They can go back, Patabale, very short trip. They can go up into this region, but this whole region is mountainous and uninhabited. Until today, in fact, last night, I was... Um, I sent these slides in at 2.30 and I was, uh, I was on my Google Earth until about 3 plus in the morning um, looking at the terrain of this place and trying to think like what would it have been like if they went up there, right? It's all mountainous. Until today in Turkey, that central part of Turkey before um, uh, Ankara, which is somewhere here, this whole part is mountainous and if you like zoom in and pinch in Google Earth, until today it's just small mountain towns, right? It's just small mountain towns. So where do they go? They snake along the border of Asia Minor. Look at the border of Asia Minor. Okay? What they do is they snake along the border because God says don't enter Asia, ma. So they don't enter Asia. But they can't really go uh, east as well. So they just go along the border. I really should have put the Asia Minor um, uh, boundary here, right? They go along the edge until they reach Mizia, which is here. And then they thought, okay, now we are in Mysia. Let's just go up to Bithynia. That's where God would want us to go, right? Or that's the logical next place to go. And God again says, no, don't go up here, right? They reach here. They, it's just a short way across. Still no. Now, I just want to say this. God does close doors on you sometimes. God does say no sometimes. When we pray, we always think that, oh, God didn't answer my prayer. Sometimes He answered with a no. And it's not easy to hear God say no. I understand this. God has said no to me over various things before as well. And it's not that God doesn't know. Doesn't answer. Sometimes He holds back His answer. Yes. Sometimes He says no and we can't accept it. So in our minds, He hasn't answered yet. Because we are only expecting a certain kind of answer. 
And sometimes doors just close. It's very obvious when doors close on you and close on you, you know those options are closed already. And I want you to know that these things don't just happen for doors that lead up to obviously to you know, immoral things. Like sometimes, oh, uh, I don't know, I want to, I want to uh, get involved in a corruption deal, right? <laughs> and then door closed. Ah, oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. You, know, uh, uh, you saved me from doing bad things. Sometimes, and in this case, they want to share the word of God. Huh? Like that also can. God says no to evangelism. They want to go to Asia Minor to share the word of God, you know. They want to do good things, you know. And God don't let them go into Asia Minor to share the word of God. No? So is God saying no to evangelism? Some say yes, some say no. Right? What do you think? Because you have to engage with the Bible yourself. Huh? I can't give you all the answers. Huh? You have to engage and wrestle with it. Is God saying no to evangelism? Timing. Placement. Timing. God is saying no to evangelism in Asia Minor now. Yes, that's true. God is saying no to evangelism in Asia Minor at that juncture. That's true. It doesn't mean that God is, not, is saying no to evangelism full stop. He's saying no to evangelism. He's saying yes to evangelism elsewhere. And if you take evangelism into Asia Minor now, you will be... I mean, every choice you make, you are neglecting all the other options. Huh? You're saying no to everything else. Huh? So if I choose A, I'm, I'm saying no to B to Z. Right? And so God is saying, I don't want you to evangelize in Asia Minor now. I have my reasons. I don't owe it to you to share all the details. I need you to be obedient. I need you to hear no to Asia Minor now, but it's actually yes to somewhere else. And I need you at somewhere else. And so he says no. And so in your life, there will be days where you want to do something which you are so convinced and convicted is the right thing to do. And yet sometimes God may say no. In that moment, now you won't remember this sermon. I almost assure you, you will not remember today. But you can remember your word of God. And you can remember that sometimes when you want to do what is good, and God closes the door, it is not because God is against doing good. It is that God has other ideas about where else you can do good and how else you can do good and with whom else you can do good. Before He circles you one round back to do the good in the place and with the people that you originally had in mind to do. And so you will see that at the end of their second missionary journey, they do eventually come into contact with Asia Minor. It's just not at this time. And so what lesson can we learn even from this little part? That God does have His timing. And we don't always know. And God does have a plan. He sees the whole thing. And we don't see the whole thing. And a very age-old kind of example that I've, that, that I've learned and it's helpful is like we are a piece of puzzle. And you are a piece of puzzle and you can see next to you, you can see next to you, over here, over here, and you roughly can make out where you stand and what you are in relation to your immediate circumstances. But God sees the whole puzzle. You may think, 
I'm kind of like red with lines, you know. Um, maybe I'm a flower, right? Or maybe I'm, a, I'm an autumn leaf, right? And then you zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, God sees something totally different. And God has a plan for how you are going to function in the larger context. So part of what I'm really trying to share with you here is to, is to grow in trust in God that He has the bigger picture in mind. And sometimes when He says no, to hang in on Him, hang in with Him. Don't feel betrayed by Him so quickly. He does not betray you. He loves you. He wants what's better. And sometimes you want what's good, but He knows that there is something better. And God has said no, even to the supposed heroes of our faith. He said no to Apostle Paul many years later, when Paul would be an old man, and he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given me. Now, we don't know what this thorn is. Some people think it's a health problem, okay? Um, some modern readers suppose that maybe it's a mental health problem, right? Uh, who knows? It might be a relationship problem. It might be who we don't know. It's entirely speculative, and there's no point speculating. What we need to know is that there was something about Paul's life that plagued him, and it could not go away. And it was tormenting him so that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect. My power is perfected in your weakness. So if you are weak, if you have a disability, if you've got a challenge, if you've got someone in your life whom you feel is holding you back. Maybe it's a parent with a health problem and you, and you can't you know, advance the way your peers are advancing because you need to care for them. You're a caregiver. You're financially contributing. You're doing all these things that makes you feel that, oh my gosh, why am I stuck with this? Why am I stuck with you know, a, a mental health thing? Right? Why am I stuck with a learning disability? Why am I stuck with a physical ailment? Why am I stuck with something? God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Even the Apostle Paul prayed three times for it to go. And God said no. God said no to them on missionary journey twice. He said no to him three times. Right? And it's not just Apostle Paul, by the way. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prayed three times, take this cup away from me. If you can, if there is a way to solve this whole thing without me having to go to the cross, please take it away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Once again, he went to pray. Later, then he came a third time. A third time, three times he went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and said to the Lord, if you can take this away from me, please take this away from me. But if cannot, then cannot, Lord. And three times, God said, no, no, no. In God's silence, God said, no. So we come back to this and we need to understand the power behind God's no is that He says yes to something else and it's for us to hang in with Him so that we can be led by Him to the point that we can encounter that something else. But first, I also want to engage on this. It seems very, it seems like they really can hear God very well, huh? Like very obvious to them, right? Oh, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Or the Spirit of Jesus 
did not allow them. It's like, so obvious, aren't they? In your life, is it so obvious? Ladies at the back, no? Not so obvious. Has God ever like spoken like, no? No, right? I don't think so, Lord. At least not in my life. So I'm going to ask you, huh? how to hear God like that, Anna? How to hear God until so clear, like, wow, really, your oh, Spirit of God say no, oh, Spirit of Jesus forbade me. Oh. Now, we don't know, right? What we do know is that there were three of them. Paul, Timothy, Silas. What we do know is that they were prayerful people. What we do know is that they were constantly in God's presence, seeking Him for the next step of the way. What we do know is that this is not their first time going on a missionary journey. They've gone on missionary journeys before. And when they go on missionary journeys, it's not as if they have the entire map like fully fixed and planned. As you can tell, they go, they encounter, they stay a few weeks. If the city is friendly, they stay a little longer. If, the, if there's response, people come to the faith, they stay longer and longer. These guys don't have a fixed itinerary, you know? Just so you know, they, are tra- they, are, they travel very differently from us. Their time is very elastic. Once they go out, they go out. And they just keep doing things in a almost kind of like, you know, uh, make it up as you go along kind of way or let God lead as you go along kind of way until God leads you home. And I know some of you have your MBTI, you know, your Myers Briggs, mine is ENFP, right? P is perceiving and, uh, and what, what, what's the last letter? That's not P, J, right? J, right? Um, and all of you who are the J's will struggle with this, right? Because if, you, if, your, if your Myers Briggs ends with a J, Okay, it means that you are the sort of person who likes to plan everything. You like to be prepared to know what is like coming ahead. You plan your day, you plan your weekend, you plan your meals, you know everything that's coming up. One. And all the peace like me is okay, like, oh, impossible, let's go camping. Yay, let's go. You know, when? Later. Yay, let's go. You know, uh, that, that's me, right? That's me. So I can be a missionary. At least I think that I've at least one of the attributes to be a missionary. Some of you are going to struggle being missionaries in this way because like, if you are the missionary, you'll be like, I got the plan, the Gantt chart, right? Today is training. Tomorrow is training. Next week we go. Then we pack. Then we don't. You have everything planned out. These guys, probably all something, something, something P, right? Their mice breaks are all like, they're prepared to just go out and just be impulsive in, the, in that sense, right? But how do you hear God like that? I mean, it's not impulsive, lah, okay? It's kind of like, I can't find the word, right? Um, how do you hear God like that? Because they're going. And some days they stay longer, some days they move. They are really sensing. Wherever go, they go, they are sensing. Now, today in our lives, we live more structured lives than that. We have things planned up, we have certain deadlines, we have certain timelines, we have certain milestones that we need to abide by. Right? And I'm going to share with you three ways that are just very practical. They are just ordinary spiritual disciplines, things we do as Christians that help us to hear from God. And this is not a guarantee that when you do it, you're going to, wow, you can hear straight away already. It's not. There are no silver bullets. There are no magic potions, right, in this faith. But Scripture, prayer, and counsel will help you hear from God. When you are entering into your scripture, your Bible, you know the word of God. God speaks to you through it. He reveals his desires 
through it. He shares his heart through the Word of God. And I want to encourage you, if you've never really read your Bible, please do. But don't read your Bible um, like a magic eight ball. You know those magic eight balls? You kind of like turn them around, you shake them, and then you hold it, and then like a, a, a thing pops up, right? Or like a fortune cookie. You just break open your fortune cookie, like, God, should I take this uh, 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 regional job or stay here and hope for a local transfer? Right? Then you take the fortune cookie, bang, and then you pull it open, and there's like some cryptic, cryptic kind of like, like orientalized uh, uh, saying, you know, and then you're like, oh, this is my fortune. This is my advice. Some people will take the Bible and they'll do the same thing. Huh? Prap, prap, prap. God, should I take this regional role? Bang in the middle because you want to be fair. So you bang in the middle. Actually, that's nonsense. You're going to land in Psalms, around the Psalms about 80 to 120, like that. Bang, right? Because that's where the middle is, right? Then you bang, and then you're going to read something from there. You treat God like fortune cookie. Bible is not fortune cookie. Bible is a story of what God does with His people, and through the way He interacts with them, He reveals who He is. And through the revelation of who He is, you get to know His heart. You get to know what He loves. You get to know what He cannot stand. And you get to know what He stands for. And through knowing Him, the way you know a spouse, the way you know your girlfriend, the way you know your boyfriend, the way you know your parents, right? You know, intuitively you know she likes to eat Japanese food. You know, she, uh, 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 she, she just ate ramen. Please don't suggest ramen again within one week, you know. You know these things because you are intimate with them. Amen? That's how Scripture reveals the, 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 the heart of God. And that's how we discern what God wants. And even then, like I said, there's no magic potion. Prayer. You heard Jenny share just now, right, on why we gather to pray. When we gather to pray, we are actually opening up. Now, I'm going to use entertainment, movie, TV language, sci-fi language, okay, even though it's not actually that, okay, but I'm going to use sci-fi language. When you pray, you're opening up a portal to heaven, okay? It's like a portal. When you pray, you are, you are opening up a channel between the physical world which is made out of like music stand and like water and flesh and blood and our human things with a spiritual reality and so that right now if we, when we pray there is a spiritual reality over every one of us that's why the traitor hunter is real that's why sometimes you can stand there you feel like clearly bolang there but you can feel something there you can feel someone there right why because there is a spiritual reality happening simultaneously with this physical thing now when you pray you are tearing open a space between our world and the supernatural world and god comes in because god occupies the spirit the spirit world and when we pray we open up it's like a zip right imagine right here i pull open a zip and then I part the zip and you see something totally different inside. It's crazy, right? When you pray and you part open that zip, it's as if God's power is at work. And that's why prayer is powerful. That's why we call our gathering to pray, dominate. Because when we pray, God dominates our thoughts, God dominates our heart, God dominates our surroundings and our atmosphere. And then through us, God can have dominion over the world. 
goodness and mercy starts to flourish. Kindness, compassion, it starts to flourish. Why? When people pray and catch the heart of God. You want to hear God like that? You got to have a prayer life. And if your prayer life is zero, go from zero to 0.1. I don't need you to go from zero to 100. Go from zero to 0 0.1. 0 0.1 is you pray one minute a day. Then tomorrow, pray two minutes lah. Right? In half a month, maybe you'll be praying more. Maybe you'll be praying 10 minutes. Maybe you'll be praying 15. Right? But you got to start. Start where you are. Right? Don't try to be like superhero. You don't need to be superhero in Christ's kingdom. You just need to take the next step. That's all. And counsel. Now, counsel means seek godly counsel from people who have lived a good long life, has seen lots of things, and who are rich in their understanding of God. For many of you, it will be your cell leaders, it will be your ministry leaders, it will be all the uncle aunties, some of them here, who have walked a long time with Jesus. They have seen failures, they have seen victories, they have seen dead ends, they have seen dead ends cut open to become living roads. Seek the counsel of wise people. And even then, this must comport and agree with this, must comport and agree with this. And then you know God is speaking. God says no. And after he says no sometimes, he is looking for you to obey and to begin a journey of ambiguous wandering. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to put this down, okay? I'm not trying to discourage you. But I want to be real with you. And I want to pastor you into a real world. I don't want to pastor you into a, into a, into a Hollywood romance. Hollywood romance will tell you that when you fight with your boyfriend and then you go sit in the rain and cry, he will come and bring something to you. That's K-drama world, okay? We don't live in the real world, it's K-drama world, right? You fight with your boyfriend, you go and sit there in the rain and you're secretly hoping that he's going to come and console you. He took the grab and went home. And you're just getting wet for no reason. You should take the grab and go home too. And because we live in a real and broken and painful world, we must be realistic about how difficult life is. Not just life, how difficult walking with Christ can be. If anyone tells you, become a Christian, very good, very easy one, God solves all your problems, not true. Become Christian, God will eventually rescue you. Yes, true. Become a Christian, God is for you, not against you. Yes, true. And then he sometimes takes you out from there and he puts you on a journey that appears to be even harder than it or was originally. And when you go through it, you grow. You grow resilient. You grow strong. You grow mighty. You grow courageous. You grow all kinds of things that you would never have grown if you just sat in your room before you came to know Christ. And that's what he's going to do with some of you here, if not many, many, many of you here. And one of the parts of the difficulty is that he takes you into a journey of wandering that is very unclear and very difficult. One of the things that happens here is they start passing by Mesia and they went down to Troas. Now, I want to show you this, right? When they got their no at Lystra, they can't go up here. It's all mountainous and it's unpopulated. So they start sneaking through Phrygia, Galatia, essentially staying out of Asia Minor but with nowhere else to go. So they're walking on a narrow road. It's like, sini tak boleh masuk, sini tak guna masuk. So it's like, where you go? 
You just continue on, lor. Hey, by the way, they don't just sit in Lystra and wait, huh? Your car just got nothing to do there. It's like, what are we going to do? Wait, Lord. Wait until God speaks. So while we are here in Lystra, let's just chill, guys. Let's just chill and wait for the Holy Spirit to speak. And then, three years, four years pass. Nothing happened. God didn't speak, man. No, you know when God speaks? When you get up and you keep going. So some of you, you may be in a place of paralyzation because you feel that the door had closed on you maybe three months ago, maybe six months ago, and you still haven't gotten up to move because you don't know what's next. Maybe you lost a job somewhere and you don't know what's next and you're applying and nothing is happening, so you're giving up and you say, that I'm just going to wait for God to speak. No. You know when God's going to speak? Maybe on your 12th, 13th, maybe a hundred and first resume going in. Maybe that's when God speaks. Ha, hundred. Uh, maybe law. Maybe not lah. I hope not lah. But maybe if it's hundred, how? If your if your answer comes at hundred and one, and and you know it, you know it. Would you not put in the other ninety nine, the other hundred? You would just to chase after that. There is an answer. The answer is in Troas. The answer is in Troas. The answer is not in Lystra. So they are not called to sit down yoga in Lystra and wait for God to speak. They are called to just get up and keep going. But they can't go into Asia Minor. They have to obey God. And they can't go into the, the, western, the eastern part of Galatia because there's nothing there. So they just go along, along, and they get to Mysia and they say, I know. Bithynia, populated, nearby, north. It's not south in Asia, it's up Bithynia. That's the one. Right? No. Bithynia is a no as well. Oh my goodness, I'm already at Mysia. What do you want me to do? Apa lagi tuan mau, right? Just keep going on. Can you imagine the journey between Mysia and Troas? What they must be thinking? It's like every day they're walking. Hey, it takes miles and weeks traveling on foot. These are not aristocrats with horses and carriages. These are missionaries. Okay? They are going miles and weeks to Troas. And even at Troas, they still don't know what the answer is. For some of you, you've been going weeks and months in a place of ambiguous walking around and it's not clear. Keep going. Can I encourage you keep going? Keep trusting in the Lord. Hold the Lord's hand and keep going because the answer is up ahead in Troas. And when they get to Troas, right? Oh, before that, I want to show you John 14. I've got to show you John 14 because Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Obedience is God's love language. If you ever wonder what is God's love language, now yours might be like quality time and your love language might be physical touch and like, and like gifts. I tell you what's God's love language. Keeping His commands and obeying Him is God's love language. How does God and when does God feel your love and know that you love Him? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, He will give you a counselor, the Holy Spirit, to just keep on filling you with wisdom and direction, right? 
He is the Spirit of truth. If anyone loves me, he says down the line, he will keep my word. My Father will love him and will come to him. And this, by the way, does not mean that only if you love him, he loves you, okay? What this means, because God's love is unconditional, is for everyone. What this means is, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, meaning my Father's love, will there be an exchange of love. You will taste my Father's love, right? You will receive the Father's love and we will come to Him and make our home in Him because now when you love God, you obey Him, He comes and He inhabits your life. He occupies your life. You are not living alone, you are living with Him and now there's a relationship. So God loves everyone but God doesn't have a living, breathing relationship with everyone because not everyone has brought God into their lives but when you love Him, you do, right? And those who don't love me will not keep my words. In other words, if you are disobedient with God, He feels the opposite of your love. He feels your rejection. He experiences your closed door. It's like the opposite of love. It's not necessarily hate. It's just your coldness. He feels how cold you are with Him. And He wants good for you. He wants to pour blessing and goodness and direction and favour and open doors and newness of life through difficult journeys. He wants to do all that with you. But He needs you to show Him that you care. He needs you to care. And when you care sometimes, when you choose the path of obedience, you lose certainty. And this is the bad news. You lose certainty. You lose clarity. You lose autonomy. Your independence, your ability to do all your own things the way you want to do it, you know, that's wow, I'm so sure, you know. And what do you increase in? Suspense goes up. Ambiguity goes up. Reliance, dependence on someone else goes up. You think this is not true? You think I'm making this up? You know, Israel, when they came out from Egypt, they were slaves in Egypt 400 years. There is certainty about what kind of food they're going to get and when they will get it. There is certainty about what kind of work they have to do and how long they have to work. Even though it's painful slave food and painful slave work, they know what they're going to get. Every day is predictable. There is certainty, there's clarity, there's to some extent autonomy. I just keep doing my things, you know. People will treat me bad, I just respond to it. And then God leads them out of that nation, slave nation, out to become free people on that other shore. And suddenly you have a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire and you're just supposed to follow these things around the desert. When it moves, you move. When you don't move, you don't move. Huh? I can't handle this. I, my anxiety levels cannot handle this. I need more certainty. There is no sureness about anything. I don't know what to do. Today is like this. Tomorrow is like what? I also don't know. Saya pun tahu, Right? I have to rely on all these outside things. I cannot rely on myself anymore. When you say yes to obeying God, often it becomes like this. I'll give you one more example, right? When in book of Acts, when Jesus is ascending back up to the right hand of the Father, He tells the disciples, stay in Jerusalem and wait. Saying, Jordan, wait, I'm going to send the counsellor, the John 14 you saw, right? He's going he's to send the Holy Spirit. You can't go back to being fishermen. You can't just blaze forward and do your own thing. You have to stay, stay in Jerusalem and wait. Lo. So what do they do in Jerusalem and wait? They gather to pray. Lo. They go to John Mark's house and they pray. And then they go back to John Mark's house and then they pray. And then they pray. And then, and then one day Jesus comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, they, and then they get the next thing. But 
they have to be able to live with this and to live with a reduction of this. And that is part of our lives when we say yes to God and eventually God does say yes. His yes is in Troas. It's not in Lystra. It's not in Mysia. They have to keep going and going and going. And I want to show you this. During the night, Paul had a vision in which the Macedonian men finally, finally direction comes from God. God sends a vision of a man who's speaking Macedonian Greek to them, right? And he speaks this to them. He says, come cross over to... Cross over. Hello, uncle. This is their, their kampong. Paul is from Tarsus. Right? Uh, Timothy is from Lystra. They picked up each other from all these places. This is their hood. Right? You to cross over is to go into Greek territory. They speak different language there. It's a new terrain, it's a new frontier. It's like it's like you took up Benua, you know, it's like you, you go to a new continent for them in those days. Cross over to what Macedonia? What's in Macedonia? Let me tell you, if you're familiar with your Bible, this is in Macedonia. The city of Philippi is in Macedonia. The city of Thessalonica is in Macedonia. Berea is in Macedonia. You browse through your New Testament in your Bible today. There's a book called Philippians. Because they obeyed and went to Macedonia. There is a book called First and Second Thessalonians. It's because they obeyed and went to Macedonia. And I'm going to show you all that. So they eventually go, right? They sail across to Philippi and at Philippi salvation of Lydia at Philippi the exorcism of the slave girl at Philippi new things start to happen and they finally see this is what God wanted us all along for this is finally now I'm walking into God's goodness I'm walking into God's power now I'm in the center of God's perfect will amen do you want to walk in God's perfect will do you want to walk outside it? No, obviously none of us will say that. Do you want to, do you want to walk in your own ways? No. Sure not. <laughs> Don't bluff. We all want to walk in our own ways. I also many days want to walk in my own ways. I don't mean to, hack. I, I, I don't mean to, to, to mess with you, right? Yes, we do want to walk in God's ways. And yes, it does mean surrendering our own ways. And yes, it's hard. And yes, we all want to say, no, I know I want to give up my own ways to walk in God's ways. Yes, true. Absolutely true. And I hope that for you. You should want that. You should want better for your own life than your, what you can contrive for yourself. I'm going to say that again. You should want better for your own life than what you can contrive for yourself. You should want what God can contrive for you. Because God has a better plan for you than you know how to devise for yourself. God has a better, fuller, richer, more, more dynamic, more fruitful plan for you than you can ever dream of for yourself. But you do need to let go of your own plans for yourself so that you can pick up what He wants for you. And in letting go, there will be moments of increased ambiguity, decreased certainty, and increased difficulty. Yes, I will not K-pop you over this. It's true. It will be harder. But it is worth it. Amen? It is worth it. 
And I'm going to undermine what I just said by showing you this. And then they're beaten and thrown into prison. And next week, you'll see that it is still worth it. You will see next week when we, when we look at Paul and Silas in prison, it is still worth it. It is always worth it. Amen. I want to close right now. Can I have the musicians, the worship team on stage? Can we have this moved? Um, I know that some of you have had closed doors maybe in your life. Whether it's an old closed door that you have not dealt with, you have not moved from, or it might even be a fresh one. I know that for some of you, in all likelihood, you're in a place of indecision. You're in a place of uncertainty. You need God's strength. And I want to say, just now remember I said that when you pray, it's like a power opens up before you, right? It's like God's power reaches out from across the spiritual world into our physical world. He engages with you. He holds your hand. He touches you. He gives you wisdom. He gives you direction. Amen? As we close today's service, I want to open up this altar, an opportunity for prayer. Because we want to pray along with you. All eyes closed right now. I just want to encourage all of us, all eyes closed. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite if you need prayer I want to invite you to come out from your seats we don't do this all the time here but if you need prayer I want you to come out step out from your seats just come out to the front you can if you're shy you can just hang around the edges okay just hang around the edges if you're set here in the center you can just step out and come here just so that we can see and someone will come to you and pray with you but if you don't mind just walk all the way to the front and say yes Lord Yes, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. And I need you. I need you to give me direction. I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to give me the next step. Or if, it, if, the, if the answer is very far away in Troas, then I need you to give me endurance and courage and resilience and long-lasting tahan lasa. Help me to go all the way until I can reach your response for me. Church, I want to pray for every single one of you, for those of you who have not come up. But if you are standing where you are and the Lord is speaking to you, the Lord is revealing something to you to give you strength to keep going. I just sense that for some of you, you really need endurance. You need strength and power of God to keep going. I want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, under the power of the salvation and resurrection of King Jesus, I speak power and strength and endurance upon my sisters and brothers here today. And I pray, Father God, that you just help them to just keep going on, to keep fighting on one more day, Lord God, to keep hanging on to you one more day, Lord God. The Father, that you will just silence the voice of the enemy, which is tempting them to give up and give in. But Lord, you just strengthen their resolve to keep holding on to you, oh Lord God. So Father, I pray, Father God, that you pour out upon our people here a double measure of strength to keep on going on, Father God. So Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, come and minister strength. Come and minister endurance. Come and minister power from on high. And Father, for those of us who are standing at crossroads, 
if you're standing at crossroads i pray that the lord jesus you will just grant answer revelation and clarity to decision so that we can start taking the next step and moving away from closed doors and start moving out into the open narrow road before the next juncture comes so lord jesus i pray that you will just come and work in deep deep in our hearts deep in our lives giving us direction and giving us assurance not in the precise words but in the goodness of god father we thank you lord god i just want to speak this out there may be some of you who are waiting to hear a very crystal clear voice you are waiting for a burning bush experience you are waiting for like a, a, a miraculous sign of God cannot, cannot deny level sign of God And that sign has not come If there's anyone here You have been waiting for a clear Unmistakable Undeniable Miracle sign of God And it has not come I want to encourage you That this is the threshold The boundary Where God is saying I need you to grow and trust in me and the Lord is saying He's led you. I want you to have your eyes closed. I want you to be able to picture this. If He keeps giving you crystal clear, unmistakable signs and voices, then you are just responding to signs and voices. And you're just saying yes to things you cannot say no to because if the voice comes, what choice do you have? And He's going to lead you and He has led you until you reach this line. And with your eyes closed, I want you to see that line in front of your feet. And he's saying to you, my daughter, my son, you step beyond this line without a crystal clear miracle sign from me. You're going to step beyond this line because you trust me. Because you trust me. And I'm not calling you to stupid things. I'm not calling you to reckless things. I'm not calling you to immoral things. I'm calling you to keep walking from Lystra because you cannot stay where you are. You have to keep moving. And I need you to take your next step. Not in obedience to miracles. I need you to take the next step in obedience to God. And even when God has not spoken, the Lord says, put your next step forward. Keep moving forward. And the Lord will show you why. The Lord will reveal to you that the next step and the one after that will be bearing fruit. But you cannot stay where you are. You must respond to God's call. Do not stagnate, do not be paralyzed. And this is not a call for you to make hasty decisions. The Lord doesn't want you to make hasty decisions. But He wants to stir you out of paralysis so that you can make the next step. Amen. Father, I pray for those of us who need to be stirred out of paralysis to have the divine courage to put our step forward. And I pray for each of us who are facing this that your word says, my word is a lamp unto your feet. And so Father, I pray, Father God, that as we take the next step, the lamp sheds light to the path 
and the, and, the, and the ground in front of us and we can see just that next part of where we're walking and every step you take my friend the Lord sheds light for the next step and sometimes that's all He lets you see just one step ahead that's all He lets you see He may not let you see 50 steps ahead or even 5 but keep taking the next step His word will reveal and be a lamp unto your feet Father, I thank you for today's service. I thank you for the gathering of your people. And I pray, Father God, that after this, you can just continue to knit our hearts together in relationship of love and family. I pray that after this, you will just grow us into a, a, a people who gather in order to love one another well. And Father, I just pray your blessing be upon each of us. So church, the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you. The Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you shalom. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.